Hello everyone. Welcome to the first episode of 2022 Sec Tools podcast by Infosec Campus. I'm your host of the show, Sanup Thomas. We have um JC with us all the way from Vietnam uh discussing about a bunch of tools that he created to uh open source uh security community. Uh JC, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello everyone. Uh my name is Jesse. Uh and I am work, currently working as a security engineer in uh e-commerce platform. And besides that, I also develop some of the tools, the framework for doing web party uh, for your organization. Right. Um yeah, we'll we'll come to the bug bounty cons uh, topic in a bit, but I wanted to get it started mm-hmm. with uh your uh, background how did you start um, technologies in general or infosec how mm-hmm. infosec happened to you because largely everyone has their own story of how they get into infosec um but i'm interested to yeah. hear about yours yeah it's very simple uh i get into the tech field when i started my college and i study uh, computer science and then later that i just start watching some movie and you remember the Mr. Robot movie and i really like how the way that uh, the hacker interact with the system and how they 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 hack thing and yeah from that's all i very inspired to get into the security okay and since that i uh, have talked all of the other thing to get into the the security field yeah i see yeah mr robot had a lot of influence Uh, the the techniques they use is more close to um uh, realistic exactly yeah. so it's not like a graphic screen <laughs> but it's more more real stuff mm. <laughs> Great. yeah then uh, first of all i try to figure out figure out like what is the command in the screen uh-huh. they typing yeah. and i start to learn from there and i learn some other from other resource like from the books or from the some of the course or from the just googling stuff yeah <laughs> great great um we'll uh, start with first uh, okay maybe i don't know if, what's the order of mm. how you developed and how you released these tools but i'm mm. i was more curious to know about um, the omcds because that's what caught, caught my mm. attention and then approached you to you know speak <laughs> uh, speak on the podcast yes. so we'll start with uh, omcds yeah. first how did you get uh, started with this project and where did you get this idea from mm-hmm. yeah sure uh i get in when i get into the faculty and I don't know where to start then I look for the talk of how to get started in the faculty then I found the talk from Jason Hattick uh if I remember is how to shop the web or how faculty methodology hunting methodology then uh I read the slide and I I watch uh, his talk then I want to create a tool that can replicate this methodology out of it so I can just run one command then is all done so I just go and look for the result then first of all I wrote in flash script but mm-hmm. uh, I kind of see like difficulty to to write because every tool I change in the workflow they have a different format and they need a different input So doing all of that in past is kind of difficult. So I first of all I create a a smidest with the uh written in Python. 
then later I I I inspired from Tom Nom Nom about like writing tune in Golang. Then I just switched to Golang and start creating from there. But my main philosophy changed because I want that everybody can apply their methodology to my tools. So I split the tool to two parts, which is one part they have a, a call engine that can run some logic and some utility tools. And another part I call I call workflow, which is a bunch of YAML files. And you can easily customize it without like knowing code too much. Uh, the, the main I see philosophy yeah. are you referring to the uh, Jason Haddix's the, the checklist that he provided uh, publicly like uh, is the, is the main t- yeah. main idea is to basically automate everything on the checklist yes the idea is ah, automating nice. everything on, on his methodology but nice. it's a very first talk of him i yeah. think on Nepcon yeah on yeah i recall a couple it. years ago yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so um, tell me this. Um, so you, the original idea behind writing this kind of an automation was because you are into bug bounties and you wanted something for yourself. Yes. So these days, <laughs> I these hey. days I can see like most of the bug bounty uh, the the effectiveness increases as as soon as you start deploying things into uh, automation, right? As soon as you you make things into more automations, and you can you can actually hit the targets very first. How do you see bug bounty th- these days, or how how do you see bug bounties are evolving too? Mm, I think it's gonna explode in the next couple of years. Uh, <laughs> there are many types of people doing bug bounty. Right. Some people they doing security research and they have a zero issue or an unknown issue, mm-hmm. and they use that to exploit uh, company that have bug bounty. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people they really hack into the manual process. They try to find permission issue or some like unique issue. And some other people, they also try to automation the, the process. So like they try to collect all the no issue and they scan in many targets as possible. Yeah, yeah that's what my uh, question was, right? Um, when, like, how easy now um, to do bug bounties without automation or rather i would <laughs> i would ask this question like how important is doing automations mm. to today's bug bounty uh i think you you can still hack without any other I automation see. tool besides like Chrome, of course or you kind of need proxy to make your life easier mm-hmm. and i think that's all you need but automation will provide you a lot of uh, advantage, especially in the target that have very big infrastructure. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, for sure. Because if you target like more large uh, scope uh, applications or the companies like maybe, I don't know, Google or Tesla or something like that, um, the scope yes. is going, I mean, doing manual recon for all their uh, subdomains, URLs and whatnot is going to take time. Like, oh yeah, automation is actually more smarter way. Um, but after automation, what you do is more important in bug bounty anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, when did you first uh, develop this uh, OMCDS first? I mean, was, was this the first uh, tool that you developed or... 
Um, yeah, this is the, the first tool. I see. And first of all, I think like three years back. Okay. Three years back. Uh, 2018, I think 2018. Yeah. And first of all, I grow it in Python. And it's still the same idea, but don't have the ability to run like fast and run it, uh, allow the user to easily to customize. Mm -hmm. So that's why I changed the, the architect to and change the language to Golang. Got it. Got it. And um, uh, I, I'm interested to ask this question. I mean, I probably ask this questions to a lot of other uh, speakers <laughs> as well. Why yeah. go or why go over Python or rather bash, right? <laughs> it's a more debatable <laughs> yes. question these days, like which programming language you choose and why. Uh, but I, I'm interested yeah, uh, to take your, your call. First of all, it, it, it easiest to install. Just put it binary uh, there and okay. you're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> and other thing, you can write concurrency on multi-thread very easily on go. Yeah. That's the, the two main reasons I can see. And I learned that by watching the uh, some of the tools from Tom Nom Nom. Mm -hmm. Then I really inspired. So just start to learn Golang. <laughs> yeah, I go Go has that advantage on uh, concurrency and multi-threading over other languages. It's largely Python, right? Because Python is like more more the go-to uh, language for a lot of hackers or security <laughs> researchers to do something. Uh, mm. But the choice of Go, uh, I've seen like largely comes because of the multi-threading or concurrency concepts, especially for running like yeah. automations on, on <laughs> recon things on like multiple websites. That makes total sense. Let's talk about um, Galis. Mm. What, tell me about the, the project first and then we can, mm -hmm. you can also explain like uh, the idea behind it. <laughs> yeah. Jails uh, is actually my first project that written in, in Go. Uh, the idea of this is when I do, when I have a list of subdomains and a list of no issue, let's say a list of CVE, mm -hmm. then uh, there, is, there is no tool at that time uh, allow me to send this kind of request to like multiple hosts. For example, you, you want to send uh, a repeater tag in PubSync, but for multiple hosts, like multiple subdomains, there's no that easy tool at that time. I mean, like, of course, you can write it with Python with, mm -hmm. with CURL, but it takes time. So that's why I, when I first learn Golang, then I see, hey, why don't we create a tool for uh, sending this? Then I create Gems, which is, uh, they have a call engine to send requests and have a, a config file as a YAML file to, to Describe how you gonna send the request. Let's say how you wanna send the endpoint, the path, the user agent, or the header or request body. And wait when you got a response, how you gonna define uh, status stop have something or respond have something. And uh, from that you detect if this host is vulnerable to to the specific CVE or not. And uh, Actually, Jails create before Nucle, the kind of popular, more popular than Jails. Mm, but because I'm just a one man production, so they kind of take the idea and implement more. Yeah. And this project was written just after OMCDS. 
Mm, yeah, because when I study as media, uh, it's just only recon only, yeah. only organization, only collect information. So I see something missing in it is vulnerable, vulnerable scanning. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I wrote uh, the channels project. Yeah. I see. Yeah, it goes handy for both. Like, uh, if you can kind of literally <laughs> orca- orchestrate it, it, it'll be nice. Yes. Yes. And uh, because first of all, they, uh, I have a bunch of uh, uh, subdomains and I don't know what to do next. Yeah. So let's start uh, whatever it is getting on this. Yeah. Nice. That's the uh, nice. <laughs> idea from jails. Yeah. And uh, MetaBigger is also like a recon tool. Um, but what interesting mm, is, it, uh, it's basically like a recon tool without an API, without needing an API key. Um, because most yeah. of the <laughs> most of the recon tools uh, requires like you need to um, go to this website, get the APKs and configure it before you actually run it. Uh, yours is like a yeah, plug and uh, play, like a literally <laughs> like a lazy plug and play for everybody to use. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, MetaBigger, I also uh, inspired from, from like, this is kind of utility tool mm-hmm. on doing some kind of trick to try to get some data, but without any API key, because I know people don't like to, yeah. to create an API key <laughs> to do recon. So when I I, thought, I watched a talk from uh, uh, Jason Hedick, and he mentioned about get, getting the ASN Uh, CIDR from the, the, the ASN number from the organization. Mm-hmm. And I look for a couple of websites. They um, they have that information, but they all, you can get the, that data with a simple request. You mm-hmm. have to do it with the, the headless browser, the Chromium. Mm-hmm. So that is, I decide, hey, let me try to write a tool that can do this without an API. Uh, it's kind of a little hack, but uh, it's doable. So also it's another way for me to, to learn going. So that's the, the first uh, thing that MetaMigo do. Mm-hmm. And uh, later that, in the, the box scan phase, uh, you have a bunch of IP, right? Mm-hmm. And you need to do box scan on, on this IP. Then I see like uh, doing this with NMAP is kind of slow. So then I figured out I can scan it very fast right, to see which box is open first with mass scan or this day I can use real scan to check with quickly check right, uh, how many box open on a single IP. And I looked at with uh, nmap command, like multiple nmap command to see what is the service running on uh, on. on uh, on this part, yeah, that is where I prefer the, the, the AMF, yeah. And uh, you, uh, and uh, I also prefer the, the output too, because some of the output in AMF is hard to parse. The only uh, standard format in AMF is XML, yeah. but you can read that with your OI. So I wrote some parser to, to pass that too. Okay, where do you get all the tools named, by the way? Are you a big fan of Greek uh, mythology or something? <laughs> yes, I just watch a lot of movies and <laughs> I get 
inspired from all the the, the movies I watched, and I just changed some of the character in the character name. Oh, I see. <laughs> I got a surname. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it sounds like more of a Greekish uh, terms. I thought something related to like Greek <laughs> uh, mythology. Uh, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Jesse, when you uh, write a code, I mean, you had definitely. I, mm. I'm assuming that you had programming um, uh, understanding before. Okay. Like yeah. Did Did you? Uh, no, I have really? no programming background. Before. I mean, like I have a little bit in the college, but it's not my main strength. Then later on, oh, I I just learn by myself. Yeah. Oh, okay. That that's interesting because yeah. I mean, those who when you said like you you wrote it in Bash and then you switched to Python, then you switched to Go, then I assume that okay, somebody who understands some basics of programming, it, this is not that difficult. Like someone who know the basics of programming languages uh, uh, switching from yeah, one language uh, to another language is it's not that tough but you said like you had mm. no uh, i mean you you didn't had much of uh, uh, understanding of programming uh, in general uh, how <laughs> yes, how easy uh, how easy or difficult was it to switch from one language to another i think if you understand it it only hard when you learn the first language but if you are switching from one language to other language it's kind of the same it's all you only have to learn the new syntax uh-huh. and a new string of the the new special feature of the new language and i think that's all uh what i learned is uh when i create a project and i see hey can i do this in what is the language that do this the best or do it easiest so i pick up that language For example, when I do the the first uh, media project, then I think I want to make a web UI uh, of this, and I look for which framework I should use. Uh, first of all, to come up with Bootstrap, then I say, hey, React, React is kind of a good framework, and I didn't know much about JavaScript too, so it's a good time to learn. Mm-hmm. Then I pick up some course on YouTube on Udemy to to start to learn React, and I build it for myself. And I think the best way to learn a language is build some of the project for yourself, and you will remember it. By, you will learn by the time you googling stuff. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive because I'm assuming that you're going by learn what you need to do, and then. Uh, find resources online that's freely available to like learn how they did it and then kind of implement it in your, your own project. So, uh, as you said, like when you have a full-on projects, what you want to achieve, and then writing into programming is more likely the the best way to learn a programming language rather than learning by syntax or very academically learning is kind of yes. boring. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's pretty impressive stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um and okay, now the second question is like when you write these languages um because you are learning it first hand, writing it, mm. and then publishing code on uh, GitHub for an open source community. Were you scared yes. uh for how people are re- going to react on your code? Oh, I'll, oh. I'll tell my background <laughs> yeah, yeah. because oh, when course. I did that, I was scared in the beginning like when like how uh, I initially wrote something and then wrote uh, published it on github and assuming that like nobody will see it but accidentally a <laughs> lot of people started seeing it then i got scared like wow people are watching my code and i feel like very awkward i took down the code and then i rewrote the whole project and then i submitted it again 
what was your story on this <laughs> <laughs> yes uh first of all i usually joke with some of my friends that hey using my tool but don't look in the source code you mm-hmm. will get blind mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but my main uh idea to to avoid that is just like if the tool works and who cares why why <laughs> how you uh, you're gonna write it yeah, yeah. just if the tool works yeah Uh, example, if there's some error or some stupid mistake, then that that's bad. But I try to follow some of the uh, design pattern uh, or some of the, the code example. Uh, Jesse, before we wind up, um, what do you uh, suggest or advise to people who are actually getting into InfoSec, or rather, people who are who wanted to contribute to open source security tools? I think find something that you very interesting or you are kind of feel like you are better than other person and start to pick up from from there. Uh, just focus one thing first and do it good. Go to other thing. Don't try to do a thousand things at the same time. Yeah, and for contribute to open source, then I think you can start by using that tool. Understand it a lot. Understand it more in depth, and of course, understand that language uh, <laughs> that the tool written in. And uh, you try to contact the author if they, he can help you, or you just send a request, pull request to to him. But keep the same format and the same style uh, of the author. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the wise advice: one step at a time. Thanks, Jesse, for joining us and sharing your experience yes. with uh, all your open source work. Yes, uh, thank you, Jeff, so much for your time. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for joining the podcast. We'll see you in the next episode.